It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Maria Bartiromo. I'm Greg Gutfeld. I'm Tammy Bruce. And this is the Fox News Rundown. Tuesday, March 15th, 2022. I'm John Saucier. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky has become an unlikely hero as his country endures a Russian invasion. And on Wednesday, he'll have a video session with American lawmakers. There is going to be a disconnect between what Zelensky asks Congress to do and what Congress actually is willing to do. This is the Fox News Rundown. War in Ukraine. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. This modern-day world leader is using technology like no other wartime leader before him. He's able to video conference with allies while bombs fall outside of the Ukrainian capital. On Tuesday, President Zelensky addressed Canadian Parliament. You supply us with the military assistance, with humanitarian assistance. You imposed severe sanctions, serious sanctions. At the same time, we see that, unfortunately, this does... They did not bring the end to the war. Ukraine, as we know, is a country at war and they need help. The big question, though, for other countries is how much help can they give without getting dragged into a war with Russia? There are already sanctions in place, a humanitarian aid bill being discussed. But what else can be done to help Ukraine? This is going to look different uh, and uh, because he's not here. He is in a war zone. And it is not a joint meeting of Congress nor a joint session of Congress. Congress has to approve a resolution to do so. We're speaking today with Fox News congressional correspondent Chad Pergram. You see Congress meet in a joint session of Congress uh, when they tabulate the Electoral College, like January 6th, or you have State of the Union, like we did on March 1st. That is a joint session of Congress. And you have the Speaker and the Vice President uh, actually preside. For a joint meeting of Congress, it basically looks the same. You have the House and Senate coming together. They usually do this inside the House chamber. And you have everybody uh, but the vice president presiding. It's basically the same thing, but that's usually for uh, receiving dignitaries. And and I look back to look at some of the different uh, figures who have spoken to joint meetings of Congress, especially in wartime. Uh, Most significant was just a few years ago. You had Petro Poroshenko of Ukraine, who was the leader of Ukraine uh, before Zelensky. He spoke in September of 2014, right after Vladimir Putin uh, sent in troops to uh, annex Crimea. The other significant one that I found was in December, December 26th, in fact, of 1941, Winston Churchill came to the United States. And, and Great Britain had been at war with Nazi Germany since September of 1939. And he basically was saying, you know, welcome to the club, guys. Uh, You're in this world war now. It's going to be very unpleasant. There's going to be a lot of twists and turns. It's going to take about a year and a half to turn the tide. And it was a very stark speech. In fact, they met that year in the Senate chamber because a lot of the House members and everybody else had gone home for the holidays. And of course, as you know, Pearl Harbor was bombed in early December of that year. So it was just a couple of weeks after the United States had entered the fray. But they crammed everybody into the Senate chamber because it was was smaller and they didn't need as many people uh, to be there. So those are probably the two most significant 
instances of foreign leaders speaking to a joint meeting of Congress. But this is not that because it's he's not actually here and they're not meeting in the House chamber. It's basically a glorified conference call on Zoom, albeit a very, very important one. Yeah, definitely. And a lot of parallels to be drawn to between that Winston Churchill address and what's going to happen tomorrow with President Zelensky, except for instead of a world leader saying, hey, welcome to the war, you've got a world leader trying to get the United States and NATO allies into the war. Chad, what have you heard about some of the things that Zelensky is expected to talk about here? He's going to come down pretty hard on Congress. He's going to ask for these MIGs, these Polish MIGs, which uh, uh, there's been a lot of conversation about that the past couple of days, which people are afraid that if they're sent to Ukraine or they are moved from you know NATO bases in Germany or someplace else, uh, that that's viewed as a provocation that NATO is entering the fray. Uh, you know, he's going to push for a no-fly zone. He has talked about that with the Canadian Parliament. And, and this is why, let me explain to the listener for just a minute why the no-fly zone is so important. You just don't declare a no-fly zone. Right. What you do, the declaration and enforcement of a no-fly zone is basically an offensive action. What you do first is you go through militarily and you wipe out your opponents, you know, air traffic control, radar, radio, whatever you do, planes on the ground, planes in the air, and then you have to be prepared to shoot them down. So who's going to do this? NATO countries. This is what the United States was involved in uh, in the mid-1990s under the flag of NATO, enforcing a no-fly zone in Bosnia and in the Balkans after the, you know, the civil war there after uh, the former Yugoslavia dissolved. And so it's an offensive action. It's not a defensive action. And so that's the problem. You know, if you look at the Constitution, you know, there's been a lot of conversation up here the past few years about whether or not the United States is, you know, within the framework of the Constitution, having forces all over the world fighting the war on terror, still fighting, you know, war in Iraq, Afghanistan. Of course, we pulled out last summer. And those are based on these old authorizations, which Congress approved in 2001 and 2002. Well, here you would have no authorization. You know, and the Constitution is clear, you know, you have to have a sign off from Congress to get involved militarily overseas. Now, we might not declare war. The United States has not actually declared war since we did so against Romania in 1943. But it's the same principle. You know, you have to have constitutionally that sort of authorization to use the military. Uh, It is said, you know, if you get involved in this no-fly zone, you might not be able to be a little bit pregnant, but you can be a little bit at war. And I asked the Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell just a bit ago, I said, you know, what are you prepared to say no to? You know, Mitch McConnell came out and was critical of the Biden administration, saying that, you know, there should have been more arms shipped. We should be doing this, that and the other. And he said, you know, we need to stand by our brothers in Ukraine. But obviously, you know, there's not a lot of appetite to go in with this no-fly zone for these very reasons that I just spelled out from the American perspective. And so I asked Mitch McConnell, I said, well, how do you say no to that? And frankly, he didn't have a, a very detailed answer. He said, well, you know, it's, we have to be prepared to do things that are within reason and that we've already spelled out. So there is going to be a disconnect between what Zelensky asks Congress to do and what Congress actually is willing to do. And, and, and the other part of this, I think, that's very, very important is that just not you're going to have that disconnect. But, you know, does he start to gin up the conversation? Do we have this chat maybe in two or three weeks and the U.S. is a little closer to this or maybe more involved somehow? You know, this is going back to the Churchill example. This is what Churchill basically said. You guys are now in this. And so there's some people thinking that 
from some perspectives that the U.S. is, in fact, already in this, whether we want to be or not. And that's the problem. Uh, so, you know, this could be a little bit of a pep talk. You know, uh, Bob Menendez, who's the chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, he indicated that one of the best you know, tools in the arsenal that Vladimir Zelensky has is communication. And he's using that when he speaks to Congress tomorrow. Our guest today is Fox News congressional correspondent Chad Pergram previewing an address to a joint meeting of Congress by the Ukrainian president, Volodymyr Zelensky. We have much more on this important and historical topic coming up right after these words. All right, Chad, let's talk about the politics of this so far. You've mentioned lawmakers on both sides. You've also mentioned some specific things that President Zelensky wants in the no-fly zone, the idea of transferring Polish MiGs to be able to use in Ukraine. Is there bipartisan support for this, or is this another political split in Washington? What's the mood there? Well, both. It is uh, a political split. But there is bipartisan support for some of these things, depending on who you talk to. Uh, The question is, is it enough support? You know, it's going to be very hard for, you know, American lawmakers to explain to their constituents why the U.S. somehow is involved in Ukraine, whether it be tangentially or something more direct. Uh, How much, uh, you know, should we be giving? You know, there's a lot of people and let's look at the Republican side of the aisle here. There are a lot of people in the Republican Party, associates of of former President Trump, uh, the Trumpist wing, who sometimes don't think that the U.S. should be involved in in these conflicts uh, overseas. Um, It was notable that there was, uh, you know, there have been some resolutions and things before where Rand Paul, the Republican senator from Kentucky, who long thought that we were, you know, bogged down in Afghanistan and Iraq and other places, uh, shouldn't have been involved there or at least not that long. So, you know, there is a sliver even in, in the Republican Party among how much involvement is is appropriate. And that's where you get sometimes these very conservative members matching up with very liberal members who are against war or think maybe diplomacy is the route. Uh, you know, Barbara Lee, the Democratic congresswoman from Oakland, she was the only member of the House to vote against the authorization to go into Afghanistan and the, quote, global war of ter- on terror in 2001. And, you know, she's still here. And she has put out a few messages here and there over the past couple of months that maybe diplomacy should be the best route for the United States and the West. One thing Congress has done, Chad, passing a $1.5 trillion spending package, which includes a pretty big chunk in humanitarian aid to Ukraine and other countries in the area. We're talking about $13.6 billion. Now, There wasn't a ton of bipartisan support for this package, but where specifically is that money going to be going in order to try and help Ukraine? Well, you're right. And they had to take COVID money out of this bill. This was a broader omnibus spending package, which avoided the federal government. There is a lot of humanitarian assistance there. There is a lot of military assistance there as well. Uh, you know, things that they can use on the ground right now, different types of weapons and, and guns and, 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 you know, things of that nature. Uh, but, but don't underestimate dealing with the humanitarian crisis. You know, we've been hearing from some of our colleagues on the border in Poland and Slovakia and other places about, you know, they think this could be the greatest migration since the Second World War, people just pouring across the border. Uh, you know, there's already been more than a million uh, from Ukraine. Uh, you know, they it has been made clear by the president and others that we will accept Ukrainian refugees here. And again, you know, there are certain, you know, factions inside the Republican Party who are very concerned about that. Uh, you know, that's an issue for them as well. Uh, so there are costs to this. And there's probably going to have to be other spending bills approved to deal with the cost of taking on these Ukrainian refugees and also arming the Ukrainians as well. 
giving us political analysis, but also historical perspective. Fox News Congressional Correspondent Chad Pergram, we really appreciate your time, and thanks for joining us on the Fox News Rundown War on Ukraine podcast. My pleasure. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table, the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts.